Sober Not Boring. I'm Era, your host, a former bartender, recovering alcoholic, and the creator of the popular Instagram page and now podcast, Drink Sober Not Boring. Every week we'll be joined by different individuals from the sober and sober curious community. Together we'll navigate challenges, celebrate victory, and build a compassionate and understanding community. These incredible guests will share their unique stories and perspectives, showing us a world beyond alcohol filled with joy, growth, and endless possibilities. If you're seeking a different way of life without or with less alcohol, non-alcoholic beverage ideas, or genuine support and advice, you've come to the right place. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And if you enjoy what you hear, please consider leaving a review to help others find us more easily. But what truly matters is reaching out to those who are struggling. If you know someone who could benefit from feeling less alone on their journey, I kindly ask you to share this podcast with them. All right, let's get into our episode. For our very first guest, we have Mocktail Mo on the podcast. Welcome, Mocktail Mo. Hello. Hi, everyone. How are you doing this morning? I'm really well. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. I'm really honored to be your very first guest. So what is your sobriety stories? How, how long ago has it been since you got sober? How did you get to that point? So my story starts out with me having intense migraines and not understanding where they're coming from. It took me two years and a lot of trial and error uh, to discover what was making me sick. And I was just so you know, getting sicker and sicker. And the last drink I ever had was one old fashioned with a group of friends. We all had dinner together afterwards and we shared food from the same place. And the next morning I was so sick, I wanted to die. It was horrible. And this was a progression over, like I said, a couple of years of me thinking, well, maybe I'm allergic to wine, or maybe it is beer, or maybe it is preservatives, or whatever, and not understanding why I was getting sicker and sicker, and why it typically occurred on weekends. And then that happened. And I went to urgent care, because I was so sick. And the doctor thought I had neurovirus. And I described to them the evening that I had before that I had a drink and then ate from the same plate from everyone else. Norovirus, if you don't know, is highly contagious. I mean, it is viral. It goes to everyone at that table. So that wasn't what it is. And I did a little research and discovered what alcohol intolerance is. And my body was developing an intolerance to alcohol. So it's not like lactose intolerance where you have some cheese and you get a little gastric upset this is like seriously on the floor having no will to live kind of situation and um discovering that it is enzymes and my liver apparently doesn't make those enzymes anymore and 
it is not worth it at all. That was my very last drink, and that was in 2018. And I did not want to ever experience that again. And um, even to this day, if I have an NA something that maybe rates a little bit for some reason due to their process a little bit higher on the scale of ABV, I start feeling icky. So my entry into this space is one of um, health. It's for absolute health reasons. Now, do I look longingly sometimes at a glass of Prosecco or something like that, that was a habit from the past? Yeah, I do. And think, well, if only. And then I think to how sick that will make me and how, what an idiotic choice that would be. So I, I know better. I have learned. And um, to my friends in the alcohol-free space who are in recovery, who have recovered, I want you to know something. And I, um, I'm sharing this with you, Era. And I've never shared this with anyone before. And it's going to be emotional. But just so you know, to all of my lovely friends who are in sobriety, because of recovery, because of alcohol abuse. There are people in your corner that you don't know who understand that being in your presence is not good for you. But they love you and they support you a million. Sometimes we have to love from afar. Uh, but um, when when I was going through my um, crawl to rock bottom, I'll say, you know, my dad had to distance himself from me as a sober alcoholic. And I know that was extremely hard for him, but that was necessary for him and it was necessary for me. And I never would look back on that. I don't think of it as he left me or he abandoned me or he did it. He did everything he possibly could until he couldn't do anything else. And you know what? Maybe him stepping back was what actually turned me to get help. So there are different ways to love people. And unfortunately, tough love is kind of the love that we use a lot with addicts because it's very hard to get through to them because they're not on the same plane as us. So that's, that's really interesting that you kind of you knew something was wrong, but you couldn't pinpoint it. And in reality, you kind of, you did know, but you didn't know what the actual medical um, part of it was, but it seems like you knew for a while and you were just trying to kind of manage the symptoms so you could continue having a social life. Is that right? I think that it was more stupidity. <laughs> Honestly, it, or ignorance rather, not stupidity. It was, it was more ignorance. I had no idea what it was. I had no clue what was affecting me and honestly doctors didn't either and i went to my doc my pcp doctor and said you know i think that i've got this going on and he told me that i wasn't washing my hands enough <laughs> I know. fixed it all fixed it all thank you talk but, to you later yeah 
So yeah, I, that was yeah, yeah. Before I left, I was like, I just want to make this clear that I'm not washing my hands enough. And he was like, Yeah, that's it. And I was like, Well, okay, I got to make go. the big buck. And, got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so even people in the medical field were not catching on to this. Um, they couldn't identify it until I talked to a friend who is an ER doc, and I said to her, "This was after." I had figured it out and, and I told her my symptoms and everything. And she said, Oh, honey, <laughs> you have an intolerance to alcohol. You can't drink. And, and, um, I said, yeah, that's exactly what it is. She knew totally what it was, but she might know better because she was an ER doc. Do you, you know, she's seen a variety of things. Do you think, and I've seen this with a lot of people, do you think that it's possible that these doctors and professionals that we're going to, they do know what's wrong with us, but they don't want to admit that alcohol is the biggest problem in our country. So they kind of push it off and give us different prognoses because I've had doctors that were bar regulars of mine and I was an alcoholic. I was shaking, I was sweating, like, and they would drink with me. They would never say anything. And that to me was almost them saying, well, if, if I tell her that she has a problem, then I won't be able to do what I'm doing. I absolutely think there's space for that. Yes, I do. I think that um, in medicine, a doctor has to get past their personal space to, to say, well, yeah, I think you have a problem and then go home and say, but I mean, you know that there are so many nurses in this country who smoke, Oh, right? Yeah. And, and they're eternally telling people to stop smoking. So there, there's a huge gap between their reality and what they're trying to tell people. So yeah, I think that is a big hurdle for them to overcome personally. Do I, do I have, do I actually put the mirror in front of myself? Do I see this person in front of me as a reflection of who I am? Or do I, do I not look at that? Do I just sort of avoid that and let them have their own journey so that I can continue on mine? Yeah. Yeah. I found it just very um, hard to reconcile with the last few months of my life drinking when I was completely blackout and all the people that kind of just stayed right next to me and didn't, I mean, I was begging for help, not literally, but getting drunk, getting arrested, going to jail, that's begging for help. And there were a lot of people yeah. in my life that just, oh, you got crazy again. And it's like, do you love me at all? Or do you just have someone to drink with? Because it's not funny to send me my mugshot and then ask me if I'm going out to the bar. Like, and, and that's- I'm Oh sure. my gosh, you're saying so much so much you are saying so much um that's so huge that identifying in yourself that you might have a problem too is hard and and a lot of people don't want to they don't want to admit to themselves oh my god i have an, a problem instead they create this stupid reality of oh isn't that cute or funny or cool it isn't yeah. cute it's not cute. It's not funny. It's not cool. It's horribly dangerous. It's life threatening. It's those are serious things. 
And no, we do have an enormous culture of, oh, that's adorable. Aren't you cute? And if you want to, you know, go back and look at movies and look at our society, not that far long ago, where it's like, oh my God, being drunk was so cute and adorable in movies and celebrated and yeah. And it was, it is such a part of society. And here's the thing. This is where we come in and we are the disruptors. We are the ones who say, you know what? That's not true. This, this is not cute. This is not adorable. This is really, really serious. This really, really affects everyone around us, including ourselves. This is something I could die from. And it's not cute. No, no, it's not. No, it's really scary. Um, it's very scary. And I see the anger and um, sadness on your face. I, I see there's a lot of emotion behind that. And there is a whole lot of unpacking there, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Of saying, well, damn, who, who are my actual friends? And then how do I separate my identity from who I was with those people into this? How do I morph that into who I am now? And do I need those people? And what do I do now? So what do you do now? Well, I was just thinking of this this it's very traumatic moment and I tried to think about it, but it does, it does lend itself to this conversation. Um, when I finally stopped drinking and I was in rehab and I had two phone calls, I made one to my father and one to my boyfriend at the time. Um, and he said to me, I'm sorry, but we can't be together because I don't want to have a sober wedding. Oh. And you know what? Those people oh. are still at that same bar doing the same exact thing. So either you move on or you don't, but all that stuff will stay. It'll stay happening. You can't, if you keep going to a barbershop, you will get a haircut. Yeah. Yes. So I was a bartender. I was a bartender when I got sober and I continued to bartend for two years after. And the reason why I was able to do yes. that was because I had exhausted drinking for me. Like I had, it, it had gotten to the point where it, there was no roman romanticizing it. There was no joy in it. It was like, okay, you've been, you tried to get sober eight or nine times. Your family's going to leave you. You lost your job because you showed up drunk. Like this is your absolute last chance. And thankfully I got to a point where alcohol kind of repulsed me. And within that first month of getting sober, I found out that I was pregnant. And I think that was God's, and I, whatever you believe in, I think that was God's way of being like, okay, you can't do this on your own. Clearly you've tried eight or nine times. So I'm going to give you this like insurance policy where you can't drink because, you know, the judge told you you can't, yeah. but also you have this little thing in your body that's going to keep reminding you that you can't drink. And I do think that that saved my life at the time because there was nothing stopping me from driving to a gas station and getting a bottle of beer. There was nothing stopping me from talking myself into drinking again. But finding out I was pregnant obviously just changed everything and gave me a solid nine months to like work on my sobriety without feeling like I had to, you know, explain to people why you're not drinking and all that stuff that is a, is a big burden for people who don't drink. It's an awkward conversation. It's a lot of shame behind it. And, and that's 
one of the main reasons why I wanted to elaborate on drink sober, not boring, because there is no reason why just because you don't want to drink, can't have a delicious drink when you're hanging out with your friends. I think that's absurd. Preach. Yes. That's where I am is, um, and I don't, it, it depends on where you are in sobriety and it's all very unique to each individual person. Um, because some people I've discovered in chatting with a lot of people is some people don't want to be reminded of what that tasted like. So they're absolutely ride or die club soda line, period, period. And that's very cool. And come on, let's, let's, you know, come on. It doesn't change my conversation with you at all. If you want to come over with your um, ready to drink mojito, margarita or whatever, I'm, you know, pour me one too. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's have one. I'm, I'm absolutely an advocate of, I envision the alcohol free lifestyle space as this giant round table where we all get to sit down and make a choice of whatever it is we want. And it does not change the conversation a bit. The conversation stays the same. We're all still enjoying each other's company and no one feels shame. Like you said, you said, you don't have to feel shame. There, there's no reason for it. There's no reason for shame wherever you are. Um, I have heard of people going into sobriety and consider it a coming out to their friends. And there's a lot of weight in telling their friends because what you're saying is I'm different. I'm different from who you are. I have changed. And you said that you don't need to associate with those people anymore because you don't identify that way. Your lifestyle is completely different. What I want is that big table. And if a friend who drinks alcohol comes in and has a seat and has that old fashioned, that last old fashioned that I had, come on, come on, there's room for you. And also there's no shame for anybody else. If you choose not to have one with alcohol in it. And it's just, uh, for me, it's all about inclusion. It's all about embracing it all and no shame for anyone, for anyone. And it's, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's me in the background again saying I'm cheering you on. <laughs> From afar, I'm cheering you on. Um, it's so silly when you break it down into a, if you take all the context out of it, don't feel shame for drinking water. And it's like, of course you don't feel shame for drinking water, but that's exactly what we're talking about because the context that's put on the water. You know, I'm the kind of person where if you ask me, so if, I, I have a few go-to lines after being sober for a while, you know, do you want to drink or whatever? Um, and I always say, no, I have plans for Christmas. And they'll be like, it's June. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I make these little comments because it's easy for me to deflect with humor. That's who I am. That doesn't, doesn't mean that I enjoy being asked these questions. It means I've been asked them so many times that I've had to come up with a quick response to divert the conversation so we don't 
honestly dive into a projection because there's a lot of people who will then start kind of poking at what your story is and you can kind of tell they're trying to get some information because they might have a similar story and i have i've had a lot of people reach out to me and say something similar and it's 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 really hard i love to hold space for people who you know are trying to figure out what's going on with their lives and if alcohol belongs in it but i will tell you it's very heavy for someone Mm -hmm. to reach out and basically spill their heart about how drinking has affected their lives and they're ready to quit and whatever (laughs) and then next the week after i see them you know funneling a beer at a graduation and i don't think that they understand that that would hurt me and it doesn't hurt me as as me it hurts me because i know what that is like i know what it's like to reach out for help and then to retreat and to go back and i just want to help so it's very hard for me and you never know you might be their inspiration i care too much probably about a lot of people and then that gets me to a point where i'm disappointed and upset and you're out getting drunk and i don't think you're even thinking about me so i have to figure out how to like compartmentalize helping people and set that boundary where do you want to get help or are you just kind of what do they call it anxiety and you want to say something to somebody to feel better they may just not be ready yet and they are testing the waters and seeing how comfortable that might be and i i don't think it's a comfortable place i don't think that recovery is easy at all and i think it really does take some serious internal strength to accomplish that. And I think that um, they may be just, you know, just, you know, dipping a toe in, trying to see what's going on. And um, they don't really necessarily want to be on the hook for it, right? They just, they just want to check it out there's a lot of people who are like i don't want to say that i'm not going to drink forever and that's not what anyone's asking anyone to say personally i know i won't drink forever Mm -hmm. because i have reasons to stay alive but that doesn't mean that if you want to take a month or a year off that that makes you any less than i think like you said for health reasons there are many reasons not to drink alcohol there is religious reasons there are health reasons Mm -hmm. there are mental health reasons I think if you're going to better your life in any way by taking a break, don't don't look at it as you'll never drink again, because that's probably too scary for you to ever start. Say, I'm not going to drink for days, four days and give yourself something that you can actually do so you don't build up even more shame. Right. That's like saying when you have (laughs) when you have insomnia. Uh, I need to sleep. I need to sleep. I need to sleep. I really have got to sleep. I'm going to wake up in two hours. I know. Oh my God. I need to sleep. And, and you, you're like, you're not sleeping. And the anxiety of not sleeping no, is like, like this horrible cycle of not sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Though. Um, it's like, so it's the same sort of thing. It's like, I want to, I want to not drink. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking. Oh my God. I'm not drinking. Oh my God. I really want to drink. Yeah. Um, instead of saying, well, you know what, you know what, this round, I'm not going to drink and I'm going to let that be okay with me inside. I'm going to be okay with that. Or, you know what, tonight I'm going to go out and it's going to be okay. 
to not drink. And my personal answer to people who ask me why you don't drink is because I don't want to. I don't want to. And P.S. It's none of your business. It's none of your business why I don't drink. I just don't want question to. to ask somebody. Sometimes I'll pull the whole like, why do you why do you drink? And then they're like, uh. right. <laughs> <laughs> why are you drinking alcohol? <laughs> like that's the question we should be asking. But I also think it comes into a a lot of maybe these days, maybe not before these days, but I think a lot of people ask because they're semi sober curious. And that's mm-hmm. another, thing yeah. I I'm not against anyone who drinks alcohol. I bartended for 10 years. It paid all my bills. I think yeah. you can handle yourself and discipline and drink. That's fine. But I just had a brain fart. <laughs> So there is great drinking, there is moderation, there is that, and that does work for a few, and then it doesn't work for others. It doesn't, you know, everybody is unique. It's like your fingerprint. You have to see where you are in this relationship with alcohol. If you haven't completely broken up with it, or if you decide that, um, I've seen a lot of people with young children who have made this decision I want to be present and that really resonates for me. It's like, hell yeah, I want to be present. I want to be here. I don't want to be a shadow of myself. I want to be here for this. I want to live this. Before we go, I want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of our Drink Sober Not Boring community, and a sincere thank you to Matia Mo for being my very first guest. If you want to follow her on Instagram, which you should, her Instagram is mocktailperiodmo. Don't forget to follow us at Drink Sober Not Boring and Drink Sober Not Boring Pod. We rise by lifting others. If you know someone who may benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. You just might be helping them find the strength they need. It's never too late, and you'll never be too old. Be kind to someone who needs it today, and I'll talk to you next week. Cheers to life.